Uh, what a beautiful day we have, huh? Quite the difference from last week. Uh, if you were here last week, you know that uh, we were in parkas and um, shivering. And it was, it was pretty intense last time in our drive-in service. But uh, thankful for all of you who uh, made it out. And that today is a new day. They, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to leave having had last week's breadcrumbs. Anybody else? Like, when I sit down to a meal, I don't want breadcrumbs from the last meal. Um, we let our kids go through the, uh, a rotation, so they each have their own chore each week. And one of the chores is to set and clear the table after every meal. And often there are crumbs left behind. And imagine if that's all you got at your next meal was the things that fell on the chair or the table or on the floor underneath. And the reality is the, the, the terrible tragedy is that so many people live their entire life of faith only eating crumbs. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with crumbs. I'm not satisfied with the leftovers of yesterday's meal. It's not even good leftovers, you know? Like, there's some leftovers that are better later. It seems like Italian food always tastes better later. I don't know about you, but I love that leftover from, like, an Olive Garden restaurant or something like that. It's like, oh, man, it just tastes awesome later. But that's not the case in your life of faith. If today all you've tasted of God was yesterday or the day before or last week, I just want to tell you that's not enough. That over time you will starve to death spiritually. You know, and I hadn't planned on that as an analogy, but it ties perfectly into our topic this morning because we're going to look at how Jesus took somebody's lunch, fed way more people, and then there were leftovers, and there was purpose behind all of it. We are in this week four of our series, Infinitely More. I have been really, uh, really enjoying this. Um, there are so many things that God has stirred in my heart and reminding me that I don't want to just settle for what I've already experienced from God. Anybody else? You just feel like, you know... I want more. I want more of the Lord. I want more of His Holy Spirit in my life. I, I'm not satisfied, and we talked about this at the beginning, I'm not satisfied with going back to life pre-coronavirus. I, I, I want things to be different. I want to be different. And I'll just be a little transparent this morning, that, uh, as I try to be in all of my life. But I've been confronted with some things that are in my heart that I do not want to still be there tomorrow. You know, like I, I'm done with the old way. And, and it is a painful thing to be confronted with your own lack of faith or your own sin, whatever it might be. It's never comfortable. And I think that's one of the key things that the devil will use to try and keep us away from God is like, oh, you don't want God to see that. Like, he already knows it. 
And so we then will not read our Bibles, we won't pray, we won't go to church because of this burden of shame and guilt. We are guilty, but as we know, Jesus took care of all the guilt and shame and he nailed it to the cross. They don't have to carry that anymore. We are chosen by God. So this morning's theme is revelation. That's my prayer is that we all have a revelation of God and of ourselves and where you fit in the grand scheme of things. That this very day is not just another day at church. And, you know, we can look around and go, yeah, it's not just another day at church. (laughs) I'm leaning against the hood of my car. It's not a a normal day at church. Uh, Although it has become the new norm, hasn't it? But, But to really consider that this day could completely transform your life. Everything about the future from here forward, could be altered by what God speaks to you and does in your heart and in your mind in these moments. This next hour that we have together could be the thing that is that point where you look back and go, wow, I was changed forever that one Sunday. And I think we forget that God can do that any day. It's not just Sundays. It's any day that could happen. And that ties us into the theme verse, it's Ephesians 3.20, that now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And so as we consider, we'll break that verse down just real briefly. What's the purpose at the right right at the beginning? It's for God's glory. Who does it? God, because it's he who is able. And how does he do it? It's with the mighty power that's at work within me. By the Holy Spirit. That's the power of God at work in my my life. And what is happening as the Holy Spirit works in my life? He's accomplishing more than I could have dreamed. Like that's a pretty profound place to begin. So we've been walking this journey of Jesus. We see that he is a miracle worker, right? He's done all kinds of miracles throughout the Gospels. Uh, If you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 6. As you're turning there, uh, I'll just highlight a few things that have happened in the gospel up to this point. He's given sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, speech to the mute. He heals sickness, all kinds of sickness. He cleanses lepers. He removes every disease and disability. He calms storms. He casts out demons. He even raises the dead. This is the impossible made possible through Jesus. There are in fact 37 miracles recorded in our Bible. And one of the most familiar is this passage here. It is also one of only two miracles, the other being the resurrection, that are recorded in all four of the Gospels. Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6, Luke chapter 9, and here John 6. All record this miraculous feeding of 5,000 men plus women and children. So I'm going to read it out of the NIV. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. When Jesus went, uh, then Jesus went up on a mountainside, sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for all these people? He asked this only to test Philip, for he had already had in mind what 
he was going to do. Philip answered him, it'd take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another disciple, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, uh, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, "Ah, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. This is kind of a supernatural buffet, you know. I, I really like buffets. Anybody else? I love all the variety. And there's that heartsick moment when you walk up to the counter where you were expecting to get your second or third or fourth helping of whatever your favorite thing was, and that tray's empty. So Jesus, though, as we see in the other uh, accounts, he gives these pieces of bread and these fish to the disciples, and they're the ones that are passing stuff out. And it just keeps coming, just keeps rolling. This supernatural buffet reveals a lot about Jesus' power and his authority. Also, his heart for you and me to experience him. The first point is that Jesus already knew the need. So we got to back up a, a little bit here. And Jesus had been healing people on the other side of the sea. The, the, the day and the ministry is gone long. The disciples also have been sent out. They've been casting out demons. They've been praying and seeing the sick healed. And so they're tired. Jesus, when they get into the boat to cross the sea, is inviting them to come away and rest. Now this is, I think, really significant for us to recognize the heart of God for all and and us in the midst of it. So Jesus invites the disciples, let's get away, come away with me, let's go rest on the far side. They get over there. In, uh, I think it's Mark's account, it describes how they were so busy at ministry, they hadn't had a chance to eat. Think about that. You've been walking with Jesus. You've been working, doing all of these amazing things. You're on the mountaintop, a spiritual high. Like, this is awesome. Like, I just prayed for this sick person. They were healed. And then there was this, like, guy going crazy, and we prayed for him. And then he, like, convulsed, and some demon comes out. And then, oh, well, that's what you, guess what I saw. And, And they're all sharing stories. But they're like, dude, I am so hungry. Yeah, me too. And Jesus is like, hey, come with me. Let's go rest. They get out of the boat and they've hardly even had a chance to catch a breath, let alone have they eaten anything. And Jesus sees the crowd. They have run on shore. the, The disciples and Jesus took the boat across and the crowd has come around and caught up to them. And what did it say Jesus did in seeing the crowd? It's like, oh man, here's all of these people again. No, that would be me. That's how I would respond. Like, just leave me alone. I need a break. Jesus has compassion. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't look at you and like, just leave me alone. 
You're such a drain. I'm tired. I, I don't have time for you. I don't have energy for you. See, this response of Jesus says a lot about how God feels about us and about his power, that he is infinitely more than we could imagine. After all of this ministry, then he goes, hey, hey guys, how are we going to feed all these people? <laughs> we don't even have food for ourselves. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, how about how are we going to feed me? I wonder which of the disciples was the loudest tummy grumbler who gets hangry you know I, I know i get hangry and i wonder which of the disciples is like are you kidding jesus there's it would take six months wages to feed this many people five thousand plus women and children anybody know how many people reside in our county yeah about seven seventy five hundred somewhere in there Every man, woman, and child in the county showed up on that hillside. And then some. They came from the Grand, too. <laughs> and I imagine as I was driving out the North Highway, and I, we saw all those sheep on the hillside, the, the sheep herders were moving the sheep around. And I imagine what 5, 10, actually would have been ten or 12,000 people would have looked like on one of those hillsides. It would have been full. Jesus says, hey, have them all sit down. See, Jesus already knew the need. He knew that they had, this crowd had traveled on foot, most of them, around the lake, which is a huge lake. They get miles away from home. He knows they're going to be hungry. And so he asks, how are we going to feed them? Twice in the passage, John uses the word great to describe that crowd. And so we can guess that there's about 12,000 people. Jesus is not alarmed or surprised. In fact, he knows that they're going to have this need, so there's a spot perfect for them to all sit down, and it's nice and grassy. It may be possible that you today feel like one of those disciples where you're feeling like, well, there's not enough for me. How can I give to anybody else? Well, what do I have to give? Maybe that's, uh, you're feeling that emotionally. You just feel spent. Maybe you are feeling that way uh, financially. It's like, I, I don't have enough to take care of our own needs. I can't cover our own bills, let alone help somebody else. Maybe you're feeling that way spiritually. <laughs> hey, don't look at me. I don't know what I'm doing to follow Jesus. Like, eh, I'm not a good example. Don't, don't follow me. But in each of these cases... It could be that you're just not looking at the one who's with you. See, the disciples were looking at the need. They were looking at the crowd. They weren't looking at the one at their side. If you got Jesus with you, you're in the majority. You got all the supply you need. Because, well, perhaps you're overwhelmed. Maybe by the size of the problems. You're intimidated or discouraged. But no matter what your issue is, Jesus has the need already in mind. He already knows what the need is. And that then gets us to that second point. Jesus already had an answer. See, when he asked the the disciples, when he goes to Philip, he asks him, how are we going to feed all these people? It's not because Jesus didn't have any ideas. 
John records that the only reason Jesus asked was to test Philip. Do you recognize who's with you? And, and I'll turn that question on all of us. Do you recognize who's with you? Now we can look around at those of us who are here present today, but also do we recognize that Jesus is with us? I think most of my life I walk around blind. <laughs> I'm actually legally blind without my contacts on, so you know, I wouldn't see any of you. But I spend so much of my life spiritually blind. I'm, I'm focused on the wrong things, not on the one who's with me. And he had the answer. And sometimes Jesus will put you in a position where you have to come to the end of yourself. You start looking for answers and Jesus is just standing there. I can imagine him having this cute smile on his face. Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? And just watching the wheels turn and like Philip freak out in front of him. It's like, it's almost Jesus like, uh, ask me, ask me how. Just don't, okay, and, and Philip's all like, uh, freaking out. Andrew, uh, I got a lunch. I stole it from this little kid. Right? No. And Jesus is like, Look, how are we going to do it? Like, just ask me. Ask me how. They're, trying, they're just scrambling, trying to figure out how to fix the problem. And you might identify with that. You find yourself scrambling to fix your problems. They were focused on the number of people in the crowd. They're forgetting the one who's standing right there beside them. They're trying to scrape together enough ingredients while the bread of life is right there. Jesus is referred to as the bread of life. So looking in John 6, verse 8, another disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go among so many? Jesus has them sit down. He gives thanks. He breaks it. Gives it to the disciples for them to distribute. Jesus already has everything that you need as well. They ate, in verse 12, it says, all that they wanted. And Jesus had them collect the leftovers. You know, we started talking about leftovers, those crumbs. And how those disciples hadn't had a chance to eat yet. Notice, how many disciples were there? Twelve. How many baskets of food did they have at the end? Twelve. I imagine the disciples ate right along with the crowd. Perhaps they were working through that whole time and they hadn't got a chance to eat. But the thing at the end is, I, I picture each disciple holding a basket. Like, wow, this is way more than I could eat. So not only did Jesus take and fulfill the need of the multitude, but he also abundantly, exceedingly provided for the need of the disciples' own hunger. They're going with a basket. I was researching baskets uh, some years ago, the last time I preached in this passage, and, uh, and there's a few different baskets. One theory is that it was the traveling basket. It was like a backpacker's bag, just this... Uh, about four foot tall um, and they would have all their supplies in it and, and one 
uh, commentator was theorizing that it was that size basket, just this enormous thing, or, or you know, bushel baskets, but just so much food, way more than they could have eaten in one sitting. So I, I have a personal story from our church that fits into this. Uh, a couple years ago, we had one of our missionaries, Phil Malcolm. Uh, he ministers in Togo in Africa. And he was here, and we were in this building. He shares uh, the, the things that God has called him to do. He's a missionary to children, primarily. Uh, and just as an aside, he mentions that uh, one of the things that they would do, imagine, you know, for several of us standing in the sun, it's getting kind of hot, right? Uh, the African sun in Togo is pretty brutal. And so what they would do at the church would build uh, an awning, a Sunday school shelter. And that's where kids would come and they'd sit underneath that shelter uh, in the shade and they'd be able to hear about Jesus and they'd tell the Bible stories and that sort of thing. In those build, church buildings that were hard to fund and construct in the first place, for those who had a building but didn't have this other space, the kids would all gather right up against the building in the shade. And they'd have to cram in. And as the sun would travel, the kids would get closer and closer to the building trying to stay out of the sun. And so one of the really uh, beneficial things that was uh, able to be com- accomplished was that they would build these shelters. And, and as he's describing that, it was not the main point. He wasn't here asking for any money for those projects. But he even mentioned that they're so successful that he had a pastor who was outside of his region of ministry who had contacted him even the morning that he was here with us and said, is there any way that you could help us build one of those shelters? It's such a need for my church. So as he says these things, the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart in that moment. I was like, we are going to buy that pastor a shelter. Now, Phil had explained that it was $1,000, and we had not a whole lot of people gathered that Sunday morning. And I was a little bit nervous to ask. It's like, oh man, this would be a stretch to be able to ask right now that $1,000 could be given with no forethought, no planning, but just that God would have the supply in the people's hands right today. I really felt strongly. We need to send Phil away with this $1,000. So the service ends and I make the, the ask. I said, hey, this is what I think God's asking us to do and that there's enough funds available that's liquid asset right now within the building and we can get this shelter built for this pastor who's outside of Phil's normal ministry region. We took an offering. We count the offering. We didn't get $1,000. We got $2,000. And so here I was nervous. We're not going to be able to get the, a full thousand. And God's like, uh, actually, I have this card to put in there. And there was $2,000 in that one Sunday. We didn't build one Sunday school shelter. We built two. Plus, we sent Phil with a ministry gift to cover his travel expenses getting out here. You know, it, it, God does stuff like that exceedingly abundantly beyond. And that's a story of what happened right here with those of us who gather in this place. It's our own story. All all that we need, Jesus already has. I said at the beginning I was going to give opportunity for you to share some stories. 
And for, for a lot of you, you've experienced stuff like this. Um, and so I'd just like to invite you to share. Um, we'll bring a mic over so you can share some of the story, just so everybody can hear easy since we're spread out. Um, but what are some of the ways that God has blown your mind? Is it done more than you could have expected? We got one over here. Here we go. Oh, we might have to come a little closer. Sorry. I was reminded last week that God cares for me. I woke up with this whole COVID thing on my mind. It was my one day out of two that I go to the hospital to work. And I'm starting to stress. Why God? Why mm. all this? Why about my kids? You know, do my do my things that I do in the morning, go sit down, look at Facebook. And the first thing on there is from a really good friend in Mount Freewater, almost a mother. God is in control. Remember, God has his own timing. Mm. Which just, yeah, it's you. You're going to take care of this. You're going to take care of me. Yeah. There could have been a number of other Facebook posts on there, but that was the first one I saw, mm. which just reminded me, he loves me. Yeah. He loves everybody else, but he yeah. loves me. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Others? Check one, two. There we go. Test, test. Not sure which one's working better. Check, check. I think this one. <laughs> Stereo. Yeah. Try that one. Uh, use that. I'm gonna. I'll run in and turn it up. like ah there you go <laughs> um but it was uh just so personal and it just blew me away because it was like god why would you care about something so little even and um so i had got this little bird feeder um, from my dad and um it was carved out of wood it was like a little wooden lantern it was handmade um and it had a mason jar as the thing that you put the bird feed inside of it. Um, and I just really loved it. But the thing about it was how it was designed, the birds couldn't really get to it. And when they tried, my cats were killing them. <laughs> and the bird feed was getting moldy inside of it. And I was like, oh, OK, well, this is not going to work as a bird feeder. And I was kind of disappointed. Like, I really love this, but <laughs> I'm not going to just keep killing these birds. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, and so I was just thinking, like, I wish there was some way that I could turn it into a lantern. Um, and I was thinking, you know, it'd be cool to have some kind of like a solar little, because first I was thinking, okay, one of those little LED candles would be cool, but like a solar one. And just kind of thinking, eh, you know, I don't know, but that would be cool sometime. And uh, 
maybe, I don't know, sometime later, maybe a month later or something, I had bought off the classifieds all of these uh, mason jars just for canning, just canning jars. And one day I'm going through the jars, I just need a lid for something, and I pull out this uh, mason jar lid that is actually on the top of it a solar panel. On the bottom it's a little light, and it just screws on to a mason jar. And so <laughs> I was <laughs> able to turn this little lantern into a little solar-powered LED <laughs> light. And it just cracked me up. It was just so specific, you know, uh, not something I prayed about, not something, Lord, please will you get me an LED solar, you know? It was just God saying, hey, I love you, and I see you, and here's even this silly little thing, but, you know, I see all of your needs and all of your desires. <laughs> Others? I think I've shared it with you guys before, but I want to say it again because when when Mike is sharing about God doing exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask, I think what we're meaning to say by that is something you know that it would be impossible unless God did it. So for me, that was a number of years ago with my dad here in this county. He had fallen in we don't know what the fall was, but we just know that he hit his head and busted it open. And he was life-flighted to Spokane. And I was, I was contacted, my sister was contacted, and we went to go see him. And when we did, uh, they had secured his arms and stuff to the side of the bed because he was trying to rip out his IVs. And he couldn't understand us, and we couldn't understand him. Uh, so he'd had a brain aneurysm. And later on, I found out that, you know, most people don't live through brain aneurysms. So I honestly didn't realize at the time, but we had asked one of the doctors, so what's going to happen? Is he going to be brain dead? Uh, is he going to be a vegetable? Is he going to live? What's going to happen? And they said, at this time, we can't tell you. So we were looking at, this is a hopeless situation. My dad's probably gone. I don't know if you'll ever recognize us and what the future holds. And we just prayed for him, you know. And, it, you know, and sometimes in those moments, you don't even know if you're really praying in faith, but you know you're praying, and you know who you're praying to. So I did, and I said, I just remember this. It wasn't a long prayer, but I remember, Lord, make this a quick recovery. <laughs> and that was on a Saturday or a Sunday. By Tuesday, I had called back. And I said, I, I just want to know about what's going on for my dad. And they said, well, would you like to talk to him? So he was talking, and, and they said, yeah. I said, yeah. And they said, well, we'll go get him. So he was walking, and he was talking. And he said, as far as the doctors were concerned, it was the most miraculous, quick recovery anybody had had. And the only problem that he was having was, and they continued to have him in Walla Walla, closer to where I was living, because he had had – and now – you got in mind, they actually had metal stitches from this side of his head all the way around to the back side of his head. And they had shaved all of his hair off. So he, he did. He literally looked like something from Star Trek. When we went into the store together, some of the kids, their eyes just huge because they hadn't seen anybody that looked like that before. 
So um, he knew that something had happened to him. And my dad was not a religious man, nor did he really surrender to God. He would still say uh, that he was a Protestant in faith, but he wasn't a Protestant in practice, if you really think about it. So, but I think the most miraculous thing was when we were together at my house, he had asked me, he said, I want you to pray for me. That's the first time I recall my dad ever saying, I want you to pray for me. So besides the fact that he had a physical miracle, it was like something was going on in his heart and the way he was reflecting on me. So to me, that was abundantly above all that I could ask or think. That was amazing. Amen. When we uh, think about these things that God does, uh, a third point here is that Jesus is going to use those who are all ready. Who would have thought that just a small lunch would produce such an awesome result? You know, mom, you know, here it's Mother's Day. Mom probably packed that lunch and sent that little boy on ahead. Maybe they all came together. But this boy shows up to the, this hillside ready. He's ready with food. Jesus is going to do the same thing with you and I. If we're ready to be used, if we're ready to see God do something more, he's going to use you. Did, did, he, did that kid ever think that, you know, today is a good day to take five loaves and two fish because I'm going to go see Jesus. He's going to feed 10,000 people with it. Probably not. He probably wasn't at all thinking that what he had could be used in such a way. And I think that that's the case for all of us. You know, when you look at your life, you might think, well, what, what good could I do? What witness could I be? Who could be healed if I prayed for him? Who could come to know Jesus through me? And, and all it takes, really, is to show up. My grandma Jean, when, uh, when she passed away at the funeral, my dad said something that really identified all about who she was. That she had the ministry of showing up. She wasn't the most talented. She never played on a worship team. She never uh, led a Bible study. She didn't teach anything. Uh, she didn't homeschool her kids. She didn't have a, de- a degree to call upon. She didn't have um, business and all of these things to, to look back on as uh, accolades and accomplishments of her life. But even in her senior years, if there was a birth or a death, she'd make a pie, take it to the church. If the church had any function at all, she'd show up and help in the kitchen. She just showed up. If friends were going to play cards, she'd go. If the family was going camping, my grandma would go. Even though the year before, she'd fallen backwards over the porta potty and had her own urine all over her body and she rolled down an embankment, she still went tent camping again the next year. Because that's what people were doing. And so she would show up. It didn't matter that it was hard. It didn't matter that it didn't go her way. She would laugh. And come again.
And I feel like if we would just show up, you'd be amazed at what God will do. If we would just show up, if we just be ready in heart and ready to offer whatever we have. You know, many of us have cars. Who knows what God might do with the car that you have? If it's, you know, loaned or you can give somebody a ride or I, every time I picked up somebody, I, I, I kind of committed to this a while ago that if I was uh, driving uh, by myself and I had space, that I was going to pick up a hitchhiker. And, and I've had that happen numerous times now. Uh, pro- the one that comes to mind at the moment was picking up a cyclist. His uh, tire had blown and uh, he was next to the Columbia River. Uh, he was probably 25 miles from a town, and all of his gear was not working. And he was headed to Milton Freewater, and I was coming back here to Enterprise. I was like, well, how about I give you a ride all the way to your destination? So we had a couple of, like two hours in the car, just talking about Jesus the whole way. And I never imagined that picking, you know, deciding one day that I was going to be available to transport people, what that was going to turn out to be. You know, and there's you know, just countless stories where when all I've done is just say, okay, I'm willing, here am I, use me. And as we're, we're on our way to Pentecost Sunday, in just a few weeks we'll be celebrating Pentecost, and, and the question is, uh, are, you, are you ready to allow the Spirit of God to have full access in your life. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It probably is going to include some hardship, some challenge, some disappointment, but also thrill, joy, and and just some of those moments where you're just like, what? How in the world did this happen? God, that's so good. So I don't know where you're at this morning. And, and what challenge you're facing. But I, I imagine that for those of us who are here, we probably have you know, one of two things going on. Either you're still um, seeing the, the, the problem, the circumstances, the, the issue you're trying to get through. And, and we just need an encounter with God. We just need to be reminded that He is with us. You know, Jesus is the one with the answer. And am I ready for Him to supply it? The other side is you might be going, yeah, I've been walking with Jesus and I'm ready to be more engaged with what he's doing in the world. I'm ready to step out into more things. I'm willing to let the Holy Spirit have more access in my life. And so let's pray. I've been reminded that I can't, I can't do anything in anybody else's life of significance except show them Jesus and then let God by his Holy Spirit do the work. So Lord, we just come this morning and I pray that in this moment regardless of where people are at, regardless of the circumstances, the, the problems, the things they're trying to figure out, Lord, whether they're here or listening in the future. Lord, you have the answer already. You already know the need. You already have the answer. And the answer is you. 
And the question is, will I look to you? And so, Lord, as an act of will, I think there's several of us this morning who just need to say, okay, I'm looking to you. I got no answer. There is no way that I can fix this or change this. I can't fix my wayward son. I can't fix this problem at work. I don't have an answer for this next season. I don't know how to overcome this challenge. I don't know how to fix this problem at work. I don't have the answers for my finances. And God, we turn and look to you. And Lord, I just feel like for some of us, we just need to throw our hands up. But here I am. I got nothing. Except you. And Lord, I pray that in desperation, we'd look to heaven. And Lord, you would speak life. And you would do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we could ask or think. Do the infinitely more. Not to ease my pain, but to give glory to your name. Lord, I don't want to confuse this. I don't want to start thinking that my life's about me getting what I want. But my life's about you being lifted high. So Lord, we commit that as you answer our prayers this morning, that we will tell people about it. We will step out. We will make you famous by telling of the amazing things you've done. And for those of us, Lord, who are ready to see you break through and do more, Lord, we just pray a fresh touch, a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit, that you would fill us afresh, as Paul encourages throughout the New Testament, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would be empowered to, by you to do what you want to do in the world. Not to do what we want, but to do what you want. Not our will, but your will be done. Here we are, God. Send us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank all of, the, uh, all of you for coming out and also just to honor uh, my wife and the work that she does in our family as a mother, uh, showing the character of the Lord in nurture to our family. Uh, and if my mother and mother-in-law were here, the same, how they've poured into us. These women have showed us uh, the heart of God. They've laid a foundation for our faith and for our kids. You know, my parents took us to church. My mom cared for me when I was broken. And she showed me Jesus' love in that way. And for all of you who either are mothers or have that mothering heart that you have opportunity to shower the love and nurture and care of God on the people around you. Now I know some of you, your kids are far away, grandkids are far away, but God wants to do infinitely more than you could ever ask or think. And one thing I've learned 
is that mothers rarely feel like they are enough or they do enough. But God is enough. Amen? And so I, I'm so proud of all of you that I've seen the ways that, you know, the Lord has worked through you as that you have been open to being his minister in the world. Um, I see the heart of Jesus in you ladies. So I honor you. Happy Mother's Day. And hopefully we'll be able to maybe move indoors next week and we can have some, uh, some more fellowship time. And I am so looking forward to a big potluck. Uh, so Lord willing, we'll be able to do that very soon. So stay tuned. We'll, uh, we'll be posting those things online. We'll make phone calls and stuff when we do make that shift. But uh, feel free to hang out, um, spend time together, encourage one another, and then be blessed as you go about your day. Amen? Amen. We're dismissed.